All right, so this is the last week of Pastor Mike's sabbatical, and so we have another guest speaker, Ryan Shumway. And uh, he is from Canton, Ohio, has his MDiv, Masters of Divinity, from Rockbridge Seminary uh, recently in 2019. Uh, he is married, has a wife, Emily, and three children. And, uh, and he has the opportunity to just bring us the Word of God today. So I'm going to pray, and then Ryan, you come on up, and then I'll pass it off to him. Father, I pray that you would speak through Ryan, that you would uh, just let us see what you want us to know from Matthew 11 today, Lord. We pray that our hearts and minds would be open to you and to your words through Ryan. We give this time to you in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. <clears throat> well, church, thank you for uh, allowing me to, to be here this morning. Um, and one of the things that, that I absolutely love um, that I was reminded of this morning, uh, 15 years ago when I was uh, starting college, uh, I left home and went to a small school in southwestern Pennsylvania, Waynesburg University. And so I got there two weeks earlier than, than almost everyone else because I had the opportunity to play football there. And I'll never forget going there into a new community, not knowing anyone um, on the team or at the school from, you know, from my hometown, from here locally. Um, and I just felt out of place and uncomfortable um, in a new setting, in a new surrounding. And I'll never forget the feeling I had that Sunday morning when they gave us a short break away from football camp to be able to go to church. Um, and I walked into that church, that little Presbyterian church that was connected to the school, and immediately I just felt at home. And I was reminded of that this morning as I have the opportunity to spend time uh, with you this morning, that I walk through these doors and immediately this morning as, as we're, we're lifting up our, our voices, um, as we are crying out to our, our Heavenly Father and worshiping Him, that even though I may not be in a place that I'm regularly at, I feel at home this morning because we are a family, whether we're just meeting each other for the first time or we've known each other for a while now. And so thank you for that, for allowing me to step in here and to see another part of the family, uh, extended family under Jesus. And so encouraged by that. Thank you for allowing me to be reminded of that and to share that with you. But thank you also for welcoming me as family. Uh, and so I look forward to spending some time together. If you have uh, your Bible, I hope you do. Go ahead and open it up. To Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 25 through 30. And we're going to be in a place, if you have been in and around church uh, for a while, or you were maybe grown up in the church, this is a piece of scripture that you've probably heard before. Uh, and I think that as we look into it, there's just something that really struck my heart over the past couple weeks that I hope will not just encourage us, but move us to understanding what Jesus is calling us to do with our lives. And so uh, hopefully you're there by now, Matthew eleven twenty-five 25 through 30. And this is what it says. It says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And this is where uh, the, we, we, we come into uh, better understanding. And so it says in verse 28, Come to me, come to me, all who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church, let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what a blessing you have given us in and through your word. And so it's my prayer, Lord, that we look into it today. And Father, that the words would, would that your Holy Spirit would just work in our hearts, that these words would penetrate into our souls, Father, that we would be moved to better understanding what you're calling us to do. Father, I pray that this, these words would not just be encouragement, but they would also be a motivator to action. To look to you and how you're calling us to build your kingdom and to do just that, Father. That we would not build our own kingdoms, but that we would build your kingdom and celebrate what you are doing in and through that. And so, Father, we are grateful for who you are. We're thankful that you have called us to do this work with you and for you and beside you. Father, that we would just continue to see hope just rise up. Not just within us, but within those around us, that we would look to you and see that you have what we need. So we thank you for that, Father. We thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. So, uh, my church, my question for you this morning is, like, who is your go-to person? When, when life happens in, in, in big moments, in good moments, in bad moments, in, in decisions, in, in, in seeking wisdom, who is your go-to person? You know, for, for some of us, we may have one person that we consistently go to for one specific area. You know, maybe you, you, you know, when, when questions come up about uh, kids or family dynamics, maybe there's one specific person that you go to. And you say, hey, help me navigate through this. Maybe as you're reading through God's word and that you come to something that maybe you find that you have a question or want to dig deeper into it, maybe there's one specific person that you go to as, the, as your first go-to person. And for me, one of those people in my life, um, his name's Dane, and when I first transitioned into a new ministry role, I quickly interacted with Dane. He was one of my small group leaders' husbands. And the thing I loved about Dane is immediately we hit it off right off the bat. And there was something stirring in me that I believe was the Holy Spirit that says, you need to get to know this guy in a better way. And so as Dane and I began a relationship together. Everything that I put in, I saw him putting into the relationship as well. And I loved it because this was somebody who was a little bit older than me, who had been through seasons of life that I was in at that moment. And so when I had questions about ministry and how to do ministry and, and getting into God's word and, and crafting messages and just everything around the, the, the idea of ministry, Dane was there to help me along the process. And you know, Dane had three daughters who were you know, in college at the time or beyond college. And so he had been through that season of life with kids. And so he helped me as I was transitioning into that season of life of, of beginning to prepare to send my oldest off to kindergarten. And as we welcomed our third child, Dane was there to help me through some of these moments and these decisions and the processing through life. And what I found very quickly was Dane was one of those guys that was my go-to. He was the guy that when a life's decision came up, I would go to him and say, hey, Dane, I need some help with this. I need some wisdom, I need some guidance, I need some counsel. And I loved his spirit um, and how he would help along in that process. 
And he would offer incredible wisdom. He would give great direction when it was appropriate. And he would guide in the ways that I needed to be guided. But the thing that I love maybe most about my relationship with Dane is when I would go and I would talk to him, very quickly, he would no longer point at himself, but he would point to God and he would say, hey, how much time have you spent in prayer about this? And while I would love, he says, well, I would love to and I will walk beside you and help you through this. At the end of the day, I'm not the best solution for this question that you have. He would constantly point back to God. And I love the relationship that we had because he was somebody that I could go to, but quickly what I realized is he would say, this is great and I want to continue in this, but you need to look to somebody who has better answers than I have. You need to look to the one who's calling you in a specific direction. As you're at this crossroad, he is going to be the one that ultimately points you in the direction that you need to go. And so thank you for bringing me along this. And I will walk beside you in this, but you have to make sure that you are looking to God, that you are going to Jesus to help you figure out what you need to do in this situation. And so I think as we look at these go-to people in our lives, we have to ensure that we're going to the right people. And the right people are always the ones that say, I will be with you, I will walk beside you, I will help you in this, but I am ultimately not the one you need to be seeking counsel from. Our go-to person has to point us back to Jesus. And I love it because as we look at this piece of scripture today, I think we really have a good grasp of these moments, these decisions of how we need to pursue them and approach them. And Jesus gives us a step-by-step process of how to go about that. So let's jump back in. It says this, and at this, at this time, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and that you have revealed them to little children. And I love this. As I, as I read through this, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of the relationship that I've been blessed to have with my kids. They ask me questions about everything. You know, Dad, what snacks can I have? What, am I allowed to watch this TV show? Hey, Dad, can you help me ride my bike? They, help me, they come to me and look to me because they know that I can help them as their earthly father. And I love that because I think sometimes we get caught up in our lives and we get so confident in self that we forget that we have to be like children going to the heavenly father to seek counsel to seek the decisions that we need to make. And Jesus speaks to this. He says, I thank you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding. And we say is those those who self-identify as so wise and so understanding of the present circumstances and situations that I don't need to go to the Father. Sometimes we get in these positions where we step up to a a big decision or a a, a small decision, no matter what it is, and we don't even bring God into the conversation. And Jesus says, I thank you that in these moments that they are hidden, that, that what we need to do is hidden from us because it helps us understand that we have a need for God. And so he says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding We've become so proud that we don't go to God anymore. He says, and you've revealed them to little children. It comes back to that childlike faith. 
going to a father saying, God, I need your help in the little and in the big. Dad, I just, I know you're here. I know you're available and I, I've got some questions. So let's make sure that we continue to approach life's decisions with childlike faith, that he will reveal that wisdom to us, that godly wisdom. He says, and yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. It was your gracious will that you would hide these things from us so that we have a dependency on you. Thank you, Father, that we can't take credit ourselves. Because let's be honest, church, when moments and opportunities come up, if we don't lean into the Father, if we don't humble ourselves, if we don't go to him with childlike faith, we begin to rely upon ourselves, we begin to take credit for the things that are happening in our lives on our own. And if we don't lean into the Father, we will always give ourselves credit. We will always be proud. We will always be proud of what we're doing as opposed to looking into what God is doing and giving him credit for him, for what he's doing. And so we have to be grateful that we need him. We have to be grateful that we can't do it on our own. And in these moments where we try and do it on our own and we fall flat on our face, we should be grateful in those moments because we have a God that we can turn to at any moment when we go to him as our father that he will point us in the direction that we need to go and then we have the opportunity to give him credit for what he's doing. Jesus goes on. He says, all things had been handed over to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal to him. And so church, as we are working through these things, as we're identifying as, as children with childlike faith, what we have to do is we have to go to Jesus. We see here and we see multiple other times throughout the scriptures that Jesus is the one that we must go to to get to the Father. And so we have to come to this crossroad and go, I am going to turn to Jesus every opportunity that I have. We have to get to that point where we go, Jesus, it is you. I'm going to follow you, and by following you, that gives me access to the Father. We have to come to Jesus. And so as we do that, verse 28, this is where it really starts to take off. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, if that's not a picture that's not a picture of where we have been. Love what Joe said it in the last 18 to 20, 24 months. I think we've all been in this season of being heavy laden and burdened from a variety of different things. Not just, not just the, the, the global pandemic, but as we look into our lives with all of the things that are going on, job changes and, and life changes and sickness and major accomplishments, the good things and the bad things, what we realize is we are stepping in here. I walked in here this morning and it felt heavy because of the decisions of life. As I look back at the last two to three weeks, there's just decisions that my wife and I made. I mean, every little thing weighs upon us time and time again where we're convinced how we know we're gonna act and we, we start to pursue that. And as soon as we start to pursue that, something new comes on to weigh us down. And I don't know about you, church, but I feel like when we walk into our lives, 
as brothers, as sisters, as moms, as dads, as sons, as daughters, all the different hats that we wear, new things pile on us and weigh us down and wear us out. And Jesus has the solution. He says, come to me, all who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I think that this rest that he's speaking about, it's an all-encompassing rest. It's not just physical rest. It's not just spiritual rest. It is rest for our mind, body, and soul. When we come to him, we experience rest that is needed. The creator knows what the created needs, and we need rest in a physical sense, in a mental sense, and in a spiritual sense. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so I love this. Jesus says, hey, as you come to me, take my yoke upon you. And the beauty of this is, is, is as we put a yoke, a yoke is an instrument of work. It is saying, Jesus is saying, come to me. And when you come to me, there's a yoke that you need to put upon you an instrument of work. As you come to me, know that it's not just Jesus, I want you to be my savior. It is Jesus, I want you to be my savior and my Lord. I'm gonna trust you as the forgiver of my sins, but I'm also gonna trust you as the leader of my life. And so as I step into relationship with you, I know that my sins are forgiven, but I also know now that, that I, have to, I have to submit to your lordship and do what you're calling me to do. So we must put on a yoke that he calls us. We are gonna put in some work. You know, following Jesus, it doesn't exempt us from work, but what it does is we come to understand that the work that he's calling us to do is manageable and it's not done alone. He's calling us to do work that we are able to do, that he has equipped us to do. So we put on his yoke and we begin to work for him, work for his kingdom. We begin to do the things that he's calling us to. But the beauty of that too is as we put this yoke on, what we realize is there are others, brothers and sisters to our right and to our left who have that same yoke on them who are doing the work of his kingdom. And so as we're doing this work, we realize we're not alone. Before we put on that yoke that Jesus calls us to, what we realize is we're alone. We've got nobody. We're doing work that is only working to benefit ourselves. But as we step into that relationship with Jesus, we put on his yoke and we look and we see brothers and sisters who are doing the same work that we're doing. And we're doing the work that he has called us to do, that he has equipped us to do. So it's manageable work. It's not overwhelming. It's something that we have the gifts to do. When we rely upon him, he provides for us what we need to do the work that he's calling us to. And we're not doing it alone. Jesus calls us to discipleship, to do life together, to learn from others, to teach others. And as we put this on, we look and we see brothers and sisters and we're encouraged because we know we are no longer working for ourselves, but we are working for our Savior and for our Lord Jesus Christ. And now the work is encouraging. So Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He's gonna give us rest. And so what we must do to experience this rest is we must be prepared to do some work to experience that rest. But he says, learn from me, 
for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so church, as we do this, as we come to him, he says, come to me. So the first thing we realize we must do when we are overwhelmed, the well, first thing we must do when we're at a fork in the road is we must first come to Jesus and say, I need you. I need you in this decision. I need you in this season. I need you as a mom. I need you as a dad. I need you as a brother. I need you as a sister. I need you in the small things and I need you in the overwhelming things. Jesus, I need you in this decision. We must come to him. And as we come to him, what does he promise? He promised rest. And so how do we go about this? He says, learn from me. And so as we realize we need to pursue rest, he says, come to me and you will find rest. He will give us the rest that we need. He says, take my yoke upon, uh, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. But the rest that we need to find in him is a rest that we need to learn from him. So he says, come to me. So I have, I, I've kind of looked through, uh, through, through the scriptures and identified four essential times in our lives where we must pursue rest. We have to come to God in these moments. We have to understand that rest is our solution for the problem that's in front of us or the decision in front of us or the celebration in front of us. We have to realize that it's rest and it's not just physical rest. It's not like I'm going to go take a nap. Sometimes that's an essential and needed. I'm going to need a nap after church today. Amen. But sometimes it's not just physical rest. Sometimes it's spiritual rest. And sometimes it's taking physical rest and spiritual rest and combining the two of those. That's the thing. When I was, a, when I was a, in student ministry that I loved about retreats, I absolutely loved it. It was a time to get away and to rest. Now, as the leader, I didn't physically rest a whole lot. There was a lot of spiritual rest that was happening. But what I loved with students and with leaders is they were able to get away. There were some days we were able to sleep in, but there were also moments where we were able to find spiritual rest, to get away from the distractions, to get away from the decisions of life, to find rest. And so I think as we look into, into scripture, Jesus has learned from me, so we have to learn what it looks like to rest. What it comes down to, church, is, is rest is a conscience, a conscious decision that we have to make. It's not something that we just fall into. Yeah, we go to bed every night to rest our physical body, but to pursue the combination of physical and spiritual rest, it's a conscious decision that we must make, that we must pursue in these moments. And so as we make the decision to pursue these, we have to understand what situations come about in life that requires it. I think that there are four crucial times that we must rest in God. The first one is in Matthew 14. This is uh, right after Jesus feeds the 5,000. This incredible miracle where he divides up fish and bread and feeds 5,000 men, not including women and children. Who knows how many it was, but he pro provides this incredible miracle. And so this is right after it. And it says, verse 22, Matthew 14, 22 it says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So he goes, guys, head on out. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to dismiss the crowds. This incredible miracle has just happened. From a handful 
of fish and loaves of bread enough for one small meal for a boy. He blesses it. 5,000 men plus women and children are fed. This incredible miracle happens. You know, we've been there at spiritual highs. These moments, spiritual highs. You want to talk about student retreats, coming away from those. You just see what God's doing in incredible ways. And my prayer is that each of you have experienced multiple moments in your life where you have experienced spiritual highs. Where you just see Jesus, you go, oh my goodness, God is doing incredible things. And Jesus gets to see that. And so he dismisses the crowds. And in this moment, Jesus has the opportunity to think, probably step back and go, look what I've done. Look at this incredible miracle. But what does he do? He dismisses the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And so in response to this incredible miracle that was just done through him, he goes to spend time with the Father. He goes to give glory and credit to the Father for what he is doing in the lives of the people around him. And so this is the first crucial time that we need to come and we need to pursue rest after major accomplishments that we see happening in our lives. Things that we look at and we go, I worked so hard to get to that specific point and look what happened. Look how amazing this was. Maybe it was this summer after, uh, you know, VBS or after a, a time that you were spending with a, a, another family and finally they show up and now they, they, they see who Jesus is and these major moments, these incredible accomplishments that happened. Maybe it was the raise or the promotion at work. Maybe you got into that school that you've been trying so hard to get into that you spent the last four years of high school trying to work hard to get into and you finally have this major accomplishment we come to a crossroad. Do I take credit for this or do I give God credit for this? And Jesus says, learn from me. So what do we have to do with that fork in the road? We have to go, God, this was all you. Thank you for giving me the gifts and allowing me to be the vessel that delivers the goods. But thank you for being the one who made it possible. This is your win and your win alone. This is your accomplishment and your accomplishment alone. In life's major accomplishments. What we have to do is we have to go, God, that was you. I'm going to step away from the spotlight, from the, the emotional, spiritual high of this, and I'm going to spend time with the one who made it happen. Major accomplishments. What we have to realize is it wasn't my accomplishment. It was his. And we rest in him to recharge as we prepare for him to do it again. So that's the first one. The second one, Happens in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. It says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued to pray to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them the twelve who he named the apostles. And it goes on to say, the twelve that he named. And so Jesus is getting ready for his earthly ministry. And he realizes that the way of discipleship, the the path that he is going to blaze happens as we bring others along with us in the process. And so he selects 12. But before he does this, he spends time. It says, in these days, he went out to the mountains to pray and all night he continued to pray in God. When was the last time, church, that you prayed all night long? I can tell you, it's never happened in my life. There's been a lot of times where I've prayed really, really hard for maybe 15 minutes maybe 30, but he prays all night long because what does Jesus realize? He has a big decision to make. He's going to select 12 men that will follow him 
that he will teach, that he will show who the father is. And he realizes that this is a big decision. And so what does he do? He takes the necessary time to separate himself from the decision right here to go to the father and say, how do you want me to do this? God, who are you calling me to select? And so church, what, what big decision, what big life decision do you have right in front of you right now or that's coming up? If you're still in, in school, there's big life decisions coming up. God, where are you calling me? God, are you calling me to a specific college or university? Parents in here, do you have children? One of the things that's just always been so difficult is oftentimes I hear so many parents saying, I'm praying for my child that they would get into this school. We're praying for a specific school. Lord, please let it be Ohio State. Lord, please let it be Ivy League. Lord, please let it be this that's the number one for their major. And I think oftentimes we miss out on the fact that God is calling us to something potentially different. We don't pray that God would lead us where he wants us to go. I think often we pray that God would lead us to where we want to go. And so as we have these big life decisions, we have to go, God, not lead me where I want to go, but lead me where you want me to go. Lord, as I'm selecting where we're going to live, maybe you're planning to move. You know that you want to sell your house, but you don't know where God's calling you to. God, help us to go to the community where you want us to be so that you can shine bright in that place. These major life decisions, these major moments, the big decisions of life. We have to separate ourselves from what we want, go and rest, spend some time with Jesus so that he can guide us where he wants us to go in those decisions. Crucial time number three, we find it back in Matthew 14. This is right before the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. This is where we see the death of John the Baptist. We'll pick up in, in, in verse 10. It says, and he sent, this is, <clears throat> this is Herod, he sent and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought to him on a platter and given to the girl and she brought it to her mother. And the disciples came and took the body and buried it and they went and told Jesus. And so this interaction where, where Herod makes a promise, he makes an oath that he doesn't want to hold up, but John, is, John the Baptist is in the, in the middle of this dispute. And so in the end, he's murdered and, and his, his head is given to this woman who wanted him dead. And so the response is the disciples came and they took the body and they buried it and they went and told Jesus. And so Jesus receives this news that that his cousin, that one of his best friends has, has been murdered. And it says in verse 13, now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. He removed himself from the situation so that he could be in relationship with God, so that he could be in community with God, so that God could minister him and give him the things that he needed in that moment as he's experiencing grief and sorrow. Church, are you in this moment where you are experiencing grief and sorrow? I think sometimes when we get in these moments, 
We get so focused on what's next. There's things to do and plans and, okay, maybe it's it's a loss of a job. Now I've got to do this, that, that, bing, bing, bing. When we find out that news, what we need to do is we need to go, okay, hold on a second. I can't do this on my own. I lost a loved one. I can't handle the weight of this on my own. And instead of trying to just figure out what the next thing is, we need to step back and remove ourselves When Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. And so church, as you're grieving, as you're dealing with the weight of loss, how do you respond to that? Do you immediately try to fix it? Or do you step back, remove yourself, and spend time with Jesus? God, I need you in this. This is overwhelming. I can't handle the weight of this on my own, but you can. Help me in and through this. It's saying, Lord, I need comfort from you. And then the the fourth crucial time, we see it in Matthew 26, 36 through 39, and this is Jesus preparing for the cross. Jesus knows what's coming. He knows God's plan. He knows what that means for him. And as he prepares, it says in verse 36, then Jesus went with them to a a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And so are you right there right now? You know that that crucial conversation needs to happen with that loved one, with that family member, with that friend, with that coworker or your boss. And you don't want to because you know it's a painful decision that you need to make. It's a painful conversation that you need to have. It hurts you deeply to realize that that's what you have to be. But sometimes what we realize here is obedience is painful. These moments where we are preparing to take difficult, obedient steps. We know what God has called us to, and it's no longer It's no longer, God, what decision do I need to make? It's now, God, I know what decision I need to make. Help me in that. God, if there is a way out, Jesus prays, if there is a way out, please, please, please make it happen. But not what I want, but what you want, God. And to just pray that, there's now a follow-up prayer that we need to continue to step away and rest in God because I know not what I want, but what you want, and I'm gonna rest in you and trust that you have a plan in and through that. So help me now be obedient to what I know I have to do. Church, where are you at? As you look at where you're, where you're at, as you, as, you, as you came in this morning, I believe that within the past three months or the next three months, we will experience one, if not more, of these crucial times in our lives. And how are we going to respond? 
We have to respond in rest, forced rest where we separate ourselves and we go to Jesus. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. So rest in him as we are getting ready to deal with these situations or as these situations come up in our lives. The thing I love about all four of these, when we go to Jesus, we go to a savior and to a Lord who has experienced the human emotion and the human weight of every single one of these things. Jesus has felt the weight of wanting to take credit for a miracle, but instead giving it to God. Major accomplishments. Look what I did. No, 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 no. Look what God has done. He felt that. Jesus felt the weight of a big decision in his humanity. The emotions that you feel leading into these decisions, leading into these moments, Jesus has been where you're at. And so all we have to do is we have to learn from him. How did he respond to those? We're not going to a God who's never felt these things. We're going to a God who loves us, who has felt these emotions as much as we do. He's felt the pain and the sorrow of loss of a friend, of a loved one. When we go to him and say, God, I can't, I can't deal with these emotions, we go to a God who has felt that in his humanity. And as we are preparing to make obedient steps that are difficult, he has felt that more than we could ever understand. But we go to a God who loves us deeply, who has felt the emotions that we're feeling and wants to walk us through those. He wants us to rest in him so that we have rest, not just in our physical self, but both in our physical self, but more importantly, in our souls. And so church, as we interact in life, as we come up to these moments, these seasons, these times, we must first come to Jesus. We must rest in him. And as we rest in him, then we make the decision. We follow in obedience. We continue to mourn. But as he ministers to us, what we then must do is we must go and tell others of what he's done, of what he offers, of what he provides, and say, he's done this for me, and he can help you with it as well. So we must come to him. We must rest in him. We must go tell others about him.